You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to the book of Galatians, the New Testament. Galatians chapter 1. Today, I know it's Mother's Day, but we're in this series and we're continuing on in the series, this toxic series where we've been talking about like toxic beliefs and behaviors that can create trouble in our lives. So far in this series, we've talked about toxic thinking. And then if we're not careful, we can be infected and affected by toxic thinking that brings about toxic behaviors. We can have what I call stinking thinking. Any of you know someone who has stinking thinking? Hopefully they're not sitting beside you this morning with their toxicity. But we can have what we can have toxic thinking. Last week I was on our East Lincoln campus. Pastor Stan was here and he talked about toxic influence, how the wrong influence can lead us in the wrong direction and we end up making wrong decisions that can cost us. So what do we need to do? We need to guard our lives from toxic influences. Pastor Stan talked about three types of toxic influences, inside influences, outside influences, and fireside influences. We want to guard ourselves from those. Well, today we're going to talk about toxic religion, religion that restricts and robs people of life rather than giving life. Have any of you ever encountered toxic religion? I know I have. In my world, I get to see it quite often. Whenever I'm enjoying a great conversation with someone I just met, and I'm asked what I do for a living, I'm always tempted to lie. Now, I don't lie. But I want to lie. Um, so I, I usually say something like, well, I'm, I'm a leader of an organization. And they say, well, what do you do in that organization? I said, well, I, I lead some staff and I do some communicating. No, very interesting. What, what's the name of the organization? And finally, they, they pull it out of me. I, I don't want to say it. But finally, I reveal that the organization's Grace Covenant Church, and I am a pastor. And whenever I reveal that I'm a pastor, it's amazing how the conversation usually changes. If, if the individual is a believer, then he or she instantly switches into, I'm in the club to spiritual talk. Well, bless God, pastor, I'm so glad to meet you, but just praise Jesus. When then I, I was talking with an individual, and, and uh, they happened to be smoking a cigarette. And we're having a conversation. We just met, and I say, I'm a pastor. And then they put the cigarette behind their back, like. <laughs> Interesting. How they quickly moved to this, what I call Christianese speaking. When they identify it that I'm a pastor. So it's a toxic. And if, if someone happens to not be a follower of Christ, not a believer, the, the moment that they hear I'm a pastor, it's like their guard goes up faster than a race car at Talladega. Now, what's the problem? I think it's the problem of toxic religion. So what do we mean by toxic? Look in there to your notes this morning. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or death. Toxic is anything that can contaminate your life, resulting in this injury to yourself or injury through yourself to others. And when we put the word toxic with religion, we end up with a belief system that's not only going to be dangerous for yourself, but it's going to manifest itself in some ugly, unhealthy ways in the lives of others. In Christianity, I believe that Christianity was never intended to be one of the world's major religions, but rather it was supposed to be a relationship with one true living God through his son, Jesus Christ. What's interesting, down through the years, even up to present day, we humans have tended to turn Christianity into a religion 
that become that can become toxic. I think it's interesting that if you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you'll discover is that most of the corrective, directive, condemning words of Jesus were not to the sinners, not to the people who were like prostitutes or tax collectors or thieves. Interesting that most of his corrective, directive words were for who? The religious crowd. Individuals who were caught up in a toxic religion about rules and regulation. And what we see playing out, I think, between the tension of of Jesus and the religious leaders was as a result of this toxic religion. Matter of fact, I would say it was toxic religion that took Jesus to the cross. And it was there that Jesus gave his life not to make way for more religion, but to make way that you and I might have relationship with a God who loves us out outrageously. So so what is religion? Let me give you a working definition of religion so we're kind of like all on the same page. There in your notes says religion is any system, rules, expectations, or regulations that promise God's acceptance or approval in return for human effort. So I'm working to achieve I'm working so that God will love me more. I'm working so that I can have acceptance. I'm keeping rules and regulations. I'm crossing the T's. I'm dotting the I's so that God will love me more. My human effort. What is that? It is a form of religion. So when we have toxic religion, we have regulations and rules that rob people of life, really rather than giving life. We have demands and expectations that weigh people down rather than bringing greater freedom. The toxic religion is all about what we have to do rather than focusing on what Jesus has done. It's about, again, our human effort. Jesus didn't come to bring us more rules to follow. He came to bring us freedom as he died to free us from the power and the penalty of sin. But again, the human tendency, and again, you see this down through history, even up to present day. I'm going to give you some present day examples in just a moment. Our human tendency is to take this thing called grace and this thing called relationship and move it toward a religion that becomes restrictive. We see an example of this toxic religion in the New Testament, Galatians, that we want to read this morning. We have the Apostle Paul who's planted a church. He was a church planner. If you study the life of Paul, what you'll discover is he would go to a region, an area. He would preach the gospel message. People would get saved. He would raise up leaders, establish the church, and then he would go on to another area. And he would do the same, preach the gospel, raise up leaders, establish the church, on to another area. Well, he came to this region called Galatia. He preached the gospel. People got radically saved. He raised up leaders, established the church, and then he left only sometime later to find out that there were a group of individuals called the Judaizers who came and they brought some toxic religion. They came and they brought add-ons to the gospel. Now, Judaizers, the Judaizers were Jewish believers who had embraced the provision of Jesus Christ, they had embraced the grace of Christ, yet they were still maintaining the law. They were still following the law. They basically said, the Judaizers basically said, you know what, Paul taught you about Jesus was a good start. Like That's a good starting place. But to be really right with God, you need Jesus and, and you need to be circumcised. In other words, they believed that you still had to obey the whole of the Jewish law. 
Again, rules and regulations. Now, you can imagine the tension that this created for every uncircumcised male adult. Right? I mean, in my role as a pastor, it's hard enough to convince men that they need to be baptized in water, much less be circumcised. Like, if we were to, like, bring back the rite of circumcision in our Sunday morning worship services, how many of you know we would have a female-dominated church? Right? Yeah, not, not real popular. That's what the Judaizers said. And they said, hey, if you really want to be right with God, the grace is good, mercy is good, but if you really want to be right with God, you've you got to be circumcised and you have to follow these laws. Well, Paul, Paul writes a scathing letter to the believers in Galatia, the church that he loved, not a church that he hated, but a church that he loved, to bring correction concerning this toxic religion, this add-on that had actually polluted the gospel message. Let's read two verses, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Listen to what Paul wrote. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning again to a different gospel, which is really not a gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Interesting, the Greek word translated here for pervert means to tank, corrupt, distort, or poison. So the Judaizers' additional rules had polluted the gospel message. What they, they took that which was pure and they contaminated it. Basically, they were saying, if you really want to be accepted and approved by God, then you need more than grace. You need your human effort. You need your works. You need to be circumcised and you need to follow all of the law. It was their toxic religion that Paul was confronting as he was calling the Galatian believers back to a gospel of grace. A gospel through the provision of Jesus Christ. A gospel focused on what Christ had already accomplished, the finished work. Of the cross. Now today, today we're not dealing with a toxic religion of individuals going around from church to church preaching a message of circumcision. Um, we, you know, we've kind of moved past that. However, I would say that tox, toxic religion is alive and well in the body of Christ today. So let me give you three present day examples really quick. The first would be um, a group of churches. I'm not going to identify the churches by name, but there's a group of churches who would say that, bless God, it's only the King James Version that really counts. Everything else, the message, the message paraphrases of the devil. You know, so it has to be King James. If you really want to hear from God, and you really want God to bless you as you read the Word, then you have to read the King James Version. I'm like, really? You know when the King James Version was produced? 1611. What, what about before 1611? Like, if we want to get to the original, I mean, like, we should go back to the Greek of which the New Testament was written in. I went by a church the other day, there was a billboard out front, and on the billboard it said, King James Version only. Individuals who created this add-on. Like, if you really want to be approved by God, then get rid of everything else but the King James Version. I don't know about you, but I'm challenged when I try to read the King James Version. It's like, man, it, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's harder for me to comprehend. I, I read the New Living Translation, the, the Message Paraphrase, the NIV. Um, to be quite honest, I don't get to the King James Version very often anymore. But there's a group of individuals who would create this add-on to say, if you really want to hear from God, 
And it's got to be King James Version only. Here's another present day example. Some, some years ago, here at Grace Covenant, we, we embraced a curriculum. Some individuals brought a curriculum called Parenting God's Way. Uh, great curriculum, had some great biblical principles in it, foundational, um, healthy parenting principles. However, over a period of time, what, what played out is the um, individuals began to say, hey, this is the only way to parent. And if you're not parenting this way, then obviously you're not parenting God's way. In other words, it's this way or you're not doing it right and God's not approving of your parenting. Now, it was a good curriculum, nothing wrong with the curriculum. That was not the problem. The problem was the people who were facilitating the curriculum. It became condemning. Like, if you're not parenting like this, and obviously you're a bad parent. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I've come to discover that, that our children are really different. We have two kids in our home. They're both adopted. They have different uh, genetic backgrounds. Um, but I can tell you, our 16-year-old girl is really different than our 18-year-old boy. Um, and so we, we have to parent them a little different. So for someone to say to me, well, this is the only way to parent. If you want to, you know, if you want to please God, this is the only way that becomes what? Restrictive. It becomes legalistic. It's not life giving. What is it? It becomes a form of toxic religion. We create our add ons. Here's another illustration. We had a family some years ago leave Grace Covenant, which is not Uncommon, uh, from time to time, people you know, say, hey, Grace Covenant's no longer, no longer works for my family. Well, this is a family that left. Um, the problem is, is they, they left, but they kept my email address. That's not good. Um, and so I started getting just um, slammed. I mean, my inbox was just overflowing with emails from a particular individual and saying things like, you know, Farrell, if you really... We're pastoring Grace Covenant well, you would be telling them not to eat pork. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I like some bacon. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 know it's not, I know it's not healthy, so I, I, you know, I manage the end. But every once in a while, I like some bacon. And then they went on to say, you know, if you really, if you really were pastoring Grace Covenant well, you would move the worship services from Sunday to Saturday because Saturday's really the Sabbath. And like, I understand all of that. But, but here's this individual. Finally, I had to politely email them and say, please don't email me anymore. Because they were bringing add-ons. Like, like Pharaoh, if you really want to honor God, you really want to please God, then, you know, cut the bacon and uh, worship on Saturday. And then there were all of these other rules. I'm just kind of skimming the surface of the emails that came my way. I asked them to delete my address from their mailing list, because I no longer wanted their toxic religion. It was the, it was the add-ons. So what does, what does toxic religion look like? Let me give you quickly three qualities of toxic religion. The first is this. Toxic religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. In other words, it's all about appearance, not about heart. It's about how I look and others liking me for how I look rather than really addressing issues of the heart. When Jesus was confronting the religious leaders of his day, he really went after this. In in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside... 
They're full of greed and self-indulgence. He said, on the outside, you look sparkly clean. On the outside, you look really good. And on the inside, there's some unhealthy stuff. See, toxic religion, what focuses on the external rather than the internal. Not only it focus on the external instead of the internal. Secondly, it focuses on rules instead of relationships. We see this playing out in the church of Galatia. What the, the Judaizers came in and brought a toxic religion that shifted from relationship with Christ back to rules and regulations and following the law. And oftentimes that's what happens with toxic religion. It becomes more about rules and what you're doing rather than, than relationship. And that brings us to the third quality of toxic religion. It's this. It focuses on what you must do rather than what Jesus did. It focuses on human effort and human achievement to gain God's approval, favor, and blessing. It's all about what you have to do and do and do rather than focusing on what Jesus has done. Oftentimes the tendency is this. We take something that's healthy, good, and right, and because of toxic religion, we make it unhealthy. For example, I would encourage you this morning to read God's Word. I was up early this morning. First thing I did is I got into the Word every day. Why? Because I think, I think getting into God's Word is healthy. I think it, it, it helps renew my mind. It helps me uh, understand God's truth. I believe that this is like God's roadmap for life. So I'm, I, like I start my day every day in the Word. But if I were to say to you, you know, you have to read three chapters a day. If you don't read three chapters a day, then God's really not going to love you. Or... If you were to read five chapters a day, then God's going to love you more than someone who reads only three verses a day. What did I do? I took something that was good, and I just made it unhealthy. We can say the same thing about, let's say fasting. I think fasting is a great spiritual discipline that will open your life in a greater way to more of God's work in your life. But if I were to say to you, you should fast two days a week, every week, and if you do that, then God's going to approve of you more than someone who doesn't fast. Well, I just created something for you to do to try to earn acceptance and favor from God. Toxic religion focuses on what you must do rather than what Jesus has already done. Listen, what we need today is not more religion, but we need more Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? We don't need more rules and regulations that brings condemnation. What do we need? We need more of Jesus. And the good news, the good news for us is it's possible because of the provision of the cross. The the Apostle Paul summarizes the good news of the gospel in Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and following. It's on the screen. So I'm going to invite you to read with me this morning. Let's read this together. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So here's the good news from Romans chapter 3. The first is this. You cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. Listen, there's no amount of rule keeping, rule following that will make you right with God. And the problem's not with the law. Want to guess where the problem's at? 
Or who the problem's with? It's us, right? Listen, Jesus didn't come because the law was bad. The law is good. The law is perfect. Jesus came because we were bad. Jesus came because, like, we couldn't get to God, so what? God came... God came to us. We could not meet the demands of the law. So Jesus Christ, the sinless one, the perfect one, came and died to pay the penalty for our sin to free us from the law. I love the verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says this, that God made Him, being Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. It's not what I have to work for. It's what Christ is already provided. The problem with religion is that religion says you, you, you can please God by your work, so we're driven to work harder and do better. However, again, here's the problem. We can never be good enough. Like if you try harder and harder and you do more good things like it, than bad things, it's like God's going to love you more. Listen, you cannot be any more loved than you are presently loved. You can't be any more accepted than you're presently accepted. None of us, none of us will be declared righteous by observing the law. So we cannot, exert, uh, we cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. So, so you might ask, well, what's the purpose of the law? Here's the purpose of the law. It's, the, it's to show you your need for a Savior. I don't know if you've figured this out yet, and I assume you have. Listen, none of us are perfect. And what the law reveals their sin problem. The law reveals the reality like we could never, we could never be good enough. So Paul explains that the law makes us aware of our sinfulness. He said that, that through the law we, bec- we become conscious of our sins. Listen, let's be honest. Once you know the Ten Commandments, it becomes clear that you've broken several of them. Right? It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I mean, and we're just talking about the Ten Commandments. We're just kind of at the basic. We look at the ten and we say, well, I, I've, I've already like broken those and I need help. So what the law reveals is that we need a solution to our sin problem. Evangelist Ray Comfort asked a series of questions to help people see their need for Christ and, and really the struggle of our humanity. And I've, I've kind of summarized his version of the question. So let, let me just ask you a, a few questions this morning. Here's the first one. Have you ever told a lie? If you didn't raise your hand, you're a... (laughs) Of course you've lied, at least once. And since you told a lie, what does that make you? A liar. Ready for another question? Have you ever broken the speed limit? Yeah. Guilty. So, so what does that make us? It makes us lawbreakers. So we're liars and we're lawbreakers. Are you ready for another question? <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever put something ahead of God? Like placed something of greater value than God? Probably we all have. It's called idolatry. Anytime you take something... And placing it ahead of God of greater value than God, then that thing has become an idol. So what does that make you? It makes you an idolater. Feeling bad about yourself yet? Let's keep going. Here's another question. Have you ever stolen anything? 
taken something that was not yours. I know I have. So when I was a kid, man, I got myself in all kinds of trouble. But you've taken things. Some of you have been taking our church pens. (laughs) Now that we're on this subject, let me just talk about it a minute. Just, I'm just kidding. We want you, we want you to take the pens. It's a part of our advertising plan. But simply put, here's the reality. Simply put, we're lying, law-breaking, idolatrous, thieving sinners. That's who we are. And the list could go on and on. What, what the law shows us that we're not good enough. We're not capable of living perfect. We're sinful people who need a Savior. Listen, we don't need more religion. We need more Christ. We don't need more rules and, and regulations to make us feel more condemned in who we are and what we're struggling with. What do we need? We need more of the grace of Christ. And the best news, the best news of the gospel is found in Romans 3.22 where Paul states this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So righteousness comes, righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. And it cannot be achieved by religion or going to church or doing religious things. It's only, it's only possible by putting your faith in Jesus. Righteousness is not earned by human effort. It comes by grace through faith. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says these, these words, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And it's not of your works, not of your effort, not of your human achievement, None of us can go around patting ourselves on the back saying, look what I have accomplished. That's only through the provision of Christ. Here's the problem with toxic religion. It tries to add extra buttons and patches and and badges to the perfect and completed provision of Jesus Christ's righteousness. See, religion, religion is Christ plus anything. Christ plus going to church, Christ plus tithing, Christ plus reading your Bible, or Christ plus whatever. That's religion. The gospel is Christ plus nothing. In other words, you need nothing but the provision of Christ to be right with God. The final work of the cross on the cross is everything that we need to be made right with God. But we only have to believe in His Son. By faith, we enter into a relationship with God Through Jesus Christ. And through that, we're completely forgiven. Through Christ, we're completely accepted. Through Christ, we're completely righteous before God. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. So if you contrast, if you contrast toxic religion with a pure gospel, this is what you discover. Religion is all about what I do. The gospel is all about what Jesus has done. Religion is about me. The gospel is about Jesus. Religion highlights my efforts to do what is right. The gospel highlights what Christ has already done. Religion lures me to believe that if I only obey God, he'll love me. But the gospel shows that because God loves me, I get to obey him. Listen, there's great freedom in that truth. So don't allow someone's toxic religion of rules and regulations to rob you of the freedom in the life that you have in Christ. 
Matter of fact, this, Jesus himself said these words, whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Interesting, if you read on in the book of Galatians, there comes a point where Paul says, don't, don't go back to bondage. Don't go back to the bondage of rules and regulation. He says, live free. Not only do we need to live free, but we want to bring that freedom, the freedom of the hope of the gospel to others. So my challenge to you this morning is don't be, don't be enslaved to toxic religion. And don't you dare enslave someone else with your toxic religion of rules and regulations of a means of achieving acceptance from God, approval from God. Because you can't do it without the provision of Christ. And here's a good, here's a, a good little side note for all of the men today. We're not going to end the service with the rite of circumcision. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for the provision of the cross. God, we thank you that you came to our rescue. The reality is, God, is we couldn't be good enough. The reality is the law, the law was perfect and we were far from perfect. There was this huge gap. There was this huge divide. So you came to our rescue by sending your son to die that we might live, to die that we might be free. God, I thank you today that I don't have to work harder to be loved by you. I don't have to work harder and do more to be accepted by you. God, I thank you for not only myself, but for every individual in the room today that we are outrageously loved. We are completely accepted. We are completely forgiven. Not because we've worked harder or done more, simply because of your provision, the provision of the cross. For that, we're grateful. We're grateful today that, that we don't have to Live out a list of rules and regulations. It's all about religion. But the day we get to enjoy your, your mercy and your grace that brings us into a life-giving relationship. God, I thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to obey you to get you to love us. God, because you love us, we get to obey you. And live in God, the wonder of your provision. For that, we're grateful. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.